This week on Overtime, me and Pastor Lashley take a look at what palm trees and uh, outer garments have to do with the risen Savior. We cannot wait. Like, subscribe. Let's get at it. Welcome to Center City Overtime, a weekly podcast where we take a little more time to dive into Sunday's message. And this week is like Super Bowl week for church. We're in Holy Week, which is... Yes. One of my favorite weeks. Oh, absolutely my um, favorite. There's no question about it. Well, Christmas is close. I don't know. I mean, it kind of is. There's just, yes, but man, I just love Easter. I know. I do too. And uh, so we started with Palm Sunday. You may notice we are on our stage this week because look at these beautiful palms behind us. Yeah, shout out to Pastor Joey and Pastor Emma for all the hard work putting this all together. Did a great job. Re-putting it together after Pastor John pulled some pieces out, both services, but they worked well for a sermon <laughs> illustration. I was just also sitting next to Emma so I could see her tense up every time we walked over. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Palm Sunday, the triumphal entry, this is the, the kickoff to Holy Week. And I thought before we get into the details of the sermon, it might be a good idea just to kind of briefly tell the story of what happens on Palm Sunday. So do you mind doing the like super short summary of what that day is. Yeah, so this um, in the life of Jesus becomes a critical moment where, or a pivotal moment, where the ministry of Jesus becomes very public. Not that it wasn't public before this point, because we see the gathering of crowds, he starts doing miracles, but this is where it kind of moves in the narrative to uh, the moment where Jesus begins to really lean into this declaration that your king is here. Um, mm -hmm. And he never shies away from it. But this is the moment where the, the whole community begins to see this uh, prophet from Nazareth called Jesus is, is now being automatic, you know, all of a sudden now heralded as the, the, the Messiah or the King. And um, it's just a powerful picture, I, th I think, in the dynamic in the life of Jesus where, you know, what I said Sunday was this begins the journey to the cross and the journey to the cross begins uh, with a parade. So what happens is Jesus comes into a city and to fulfill uh, some of the prophecies that were written about him, he um, tells the disciples to untie a coat. Um, they throw some clothing on top of the coat. Jesus begins to make his uh, way down um, the, 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 the route. And as he does, the people are waving palm branches and throwing palm branches and their outer garments down in front of him. Um, you know, and, and they're shouting Hosanna, which you know, every every story has it a little bit different, but you know, it's praise God, uh, rescue us, just that type of phraseology and the declaration that Jesus is King. Yeah, I've I've always thought that it was kind of weird, like just thinking back to as a little girl, because sometimes when you've grown up in church your whole life, some of these stories we focus on every year, I just automatically go back to what I thought as a child. And I remember thinking it was weird that they would throw their clothes on the ground. The only thing I could think of was like, you know, those old pictures that you would see of like the young men putting their coats down on the puddle for the old lady yeah. to walk over it. Like, so I kind of was thinking maybe it was, it was that kind of sign of like, we want to straighten out the road for Jesus to go down it. But you really enlightened us on Sunday about what that meant. What, what were they doing when they put their coats down? Yeah, so kind of several things, and all of them, of course, tied into the culture of the moment. Um, if you go back to the, uh, the Book of Kings, there's this, um, there's this uh, king named Jehu, who is a uh, horrible example of a king, but when he gets anointed as king, the people were laying down their outer garments. The objective was, in that moment, to elevate 
uh, the king. And they, they felt like the king didn't deserve to be on the same level. So they did everything they could to elevate the king. And their outer garments are unique because uh, not only were they elevating their king, but outer garments were often a representation of lineage. You received your outer garments from your dad, and he usually received his outer garments from his dad. And generations, of course, they stitched these things together to keep the integrity of them. But you, you, your outer garment represented your lineage, your your legacy, your family's name. So often what would happen is the king was being anointed as king. You, you had the opportunity of laying your family's name down in order to elevate a king as a sign of loyalty. And I think it's a beautiful picture um, because in 2023, uh, I, I still feel like the call of the church is our willingness to lay ourselves down in order to elevate King Jesus. Yeah, and you talked about that. I thought you did a great job talking about like your family name and what that means to you and to still elevate Jesus higher than that. But until you were just talking right now, I think that also applies to us as a church. Like we don't want Center City Church's name Never. to ever be the name that's that we're elevating. We're elevating Christ. We just happen to be Center City Church. Um, yeah, it's 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 kind of I think healthy because even in our church there's a little bit of attention sometimes because even from the pulpit, we're really quick to be like this, the end game isn't you inviting people to church. The end game is people being exposed to the love, hope, and purpose that Jesus provides, right? Like, and offers. So whether that's this church or over a cup of coffee or in your living room. Now the hope is eventually, I say it all the time, like you usually go to church with the people you do community with. And we would love for everyone's friends and family and, and coworkers to find a, a place to belong here at Center City. But uh, really, that willingness to even be willing to lay our church's name down. Our founding pastor, David Dukeson, used to say it all the time. He used to say, there's no church logos in heaven. Mm -hmm. um, and I used to retort back, yeah, but we're not in heaven yet. So there, our church logo is going to be <laughs> everywhere. But I also... Since the person with a design background. <laughs> yeah, but I also, um, I also truly believe that it is critical within the scope of our city, if we're gonna see the kingdom of God expand, there's not one church big enough, there's just not. When you consider all of the churches in Charlotte and all that God wants to do and all the people who need to find hope and purpose, uh, there's not enough seats and not enough auditoriums and not enough uh, uh, pastoral teams and not enough groups to, to really do the work of shepherding and loving people. So yeah, like we have to be willing to lay our names down in order to elevate our king. Mm -hmm. You went on and talked about the palm branches. And again, shout out to you because I learned something new about the palm branches this time. You talked about how that before the Romans had come in and taken over the, I guess the, the Israelites, I don't know what country it would have been, but their coins had had palm branches on them. And so I guess I was wondering when you did your research, is that something that like was widely known? Like, would it be obvious that if people were raising palm branches, that was a callback to their political freedom? Yeah, I think uh, it would have been widely known among the people and there's a really good chance that even the Roman officials understood it. It was the palm branch um, really represented prosperity and um, um, fertility. So for a lot of reasons, generosity, a lot of reasons that palm branch was used on um, their currency. But really, it began to be a political sign that they long for the days before Roman occupation. Mm -hmm. So I think they would have, all of, of course they would have known. Um, and uh, of course, 
to some degree, those who were close in that happened to be Roman officials would have also kind of saw the picture and known. I think it's critical because I do think we try to take the politics out of the moment, mm -hmm. um, and and rightfully so to some degree. But I think you lose some of the imaging. They they thought Jesus would be. Um, elevated. That's why they laid their outer garments down to some kind of political position where he would overthrow the Roman government and they would find their freedom. So yeah, one of the things I love to do, and um, I hope that people watching this, you do this too, is just to kind of use my imagination to fill in those gaps that the text doesn't give us of just what it would have been like to be there in the story. So we're not talking about like adding all of these details, but really just um, taking what I would think if I were there. And I keep thinking about how it was almost the Passover. Like that's why everyone was coming to Jerusalem at this time as they were celebrating the Passover. And that was a time when they celebrated that God delivered them out of slavery in Egypt. And so if I were there and I were caught up in watching Jesus come yep. through, I would have been, I know that I would have been thinking like, look at God, it's not a coincidence, it's the Passover, he's about to do it again, he freed us from Egypt, he's gonna free us from Rome. And, um, and while that would have been wrong in the way that I was thinking about it, you shared this verse um, that, and I can't think of it right now, I know it's John 12, 32, but what, what did Jesus say in that verse? If I be lifted up, I'll draw all men to me, yeah. or when I am lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. And, um, and I, I love that you just kind of showed that he, absolutely was fulfilling that, but the way that they were thinking about lifting him up was not what he meant. Will you talk a little bit about how he met their expectations in a way that they didn't expect? Yeah, so to your point, I do think that often when we um, ask the Lord to intervene, when we're struggling through things, um, God will often answer those prayers, but the way that he answers them are always so much bigger than what I was thinking. Mm -hmm. um, and it's because I, th I think when we, um, when we think of about who God is, I think often we think he's the, a painter that hasn't finished a picture yet. But remember, he's the God who was, is, and is to come. The, the painting's done, and the beauty of the painting is that the master painter is able to reference what will be, so he answers your prayers according to what will be, not according to what you're currently in the middle of. Um, so I think even even at, from a very practical point, we trust that God's yes is yes, but his methodology is on him. Like his, the way, the way that the, the scripture writes it is, your plans are higher than my ways. And I hope that his hands are, uh, ways are higher than mine because I, I can only see what's, we're very linear. I can only see what's right in front of me. So these people can only see what was right in front of them and you can't blame them needing, right. feeling the weight of some of that oppression. So their thought was if they elevate them with their with their names and lay their coats down, if they, if they elevate them to a place where um, he is higher than Roman occupation, that the, the people would rally behind them, he would overthrow Rome, he would establish his kingdom there on earth. But really, um, he was prophesying about how he would be elevated to the cross. Mm -hmm. And if you think about it, um, these are the same people who were elevating them with their outer garments uh, later on would elevate them with their murderous threats. They went from, here's our king, to we have no king but Caesar. And he then was elevated to the cross to be crucified to then draw all men, not just one group of men, but all men, anyone who would accept the sacrifice would be drawn, man, woman, children, thousands of years later, transformed by the sacrifice that he made. Um, and yeah, so that, that lifting up was him being lifted up on a cross, submitting to death. Mm -hmm. 
So I guess my question for you, we're in Holy Week. We're going to have a lot more of the story to walk through. What's the one thing that you hope people would hang on to from Palm Sunday and keep in mind as we go through the rest of the events of the week? I think two things. One, that I said day, one. I, I know. <laughs> so I'll do uh, one thing, part A and part B, uh, uh, that he would be lifted up. Mm -hmm. Right, that I would do everything that I can to lay my life down, to lay my name down in order to lift him up. Every mm -hmm. relationship I have, I'm going to leverage to lift him up. Every um, uh, area of influence I have, I'm going to leverage to lift him up. Um, every conversation I have, and, and you know, again, I want to make sure that I'm clear. I'm not talking about even inviting people to church. I'm just doing everything I can to elevate the name of Jesus above all other names. Because we talked about it Sunday, we believe fully that when he is lifted up, people find freedom, they find hope, they find purpose, that all of this is found in him, but it begins with his church deciding to lift him up. So yeah, that's the practical, is that you would use this opportunity, which, you know, Holy Week is a great week. A lot of people are talking about Easter and talking about spring and what better opportunity you have to inject the God who brings life to dead things. That's why we celebrate Easter. So uh, don't get me too worked up because I'm such an Easter fan. I'll get right to the empty too. Yeah, I love it. What was part B? Oh, so part B. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, lift him up, but then also be willing to accept that sacrifice. Mm -hmm. um, you know this because uh, we, we work really closely with a lot of people in some of our conversation, people really have a hard time accepting the grace that God offers. Mm -hmm. And by the way, it's not just grace for a moment, it's grace for every moment. Yeah. So even if you're a believer that's disconnected or maybe you're going through a tough time, maybe it's been a long time since you've been in church, maybe it's a long time since you've hit your knees in conversation with the Lord, Holy Week's a great opportunity to receive the grace that He provided through His sacrifice or that He showcased it through His sacrifice that you would receive that and um, live fully in the freedom that he offers. Yeah, I love it. So this video is dropping on a Wednesday. So if you're watching it the day that it drops, we've got a lot more that we're doing to celebrate the rest of the events of this week. Keep an eye on our social channels. We've got videos coming out starting tomorrow that'll just kind of focus us in on what those events are. Friday night, we're having our Good Friday service. Yeah. That's at 7 p.m. And then I cannot wait to be back together to celebrate on Sunday for Easter. We'll be here at 9 and 11 and we would love to see you bring everyone you know it's gonna be great yeah I it will wait. be see you then